Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and go to Proverbs chapter 3. We'll do something a little bit unorthodox, nothing that no one's surprised about that, right? <laughs> but I think about some of the mountaintop passages of scriptures. I want to just take a few moments and talk about Proverbs chapter 3. We're in this particular season in, in September, last uh, uh, Sunday in September, talking about parenting and family. And these are just practical principles, I think, that can that if you only had one chapter to be a parent from, I can't think of a better chapter than uh, Proverbs chapter 3. It just lays out a lot of different territory, and I don't want to take off, we'll probably will not go through the entire uh, chapter this evening, but I'd like for you just to follow with me. I think you're, for the most part, you're the cream of the crop, you're folks here on a Sunday night, and I appreciate you being present with us. I want the Lord to use this time to be helpful. It will be helpful to every single person because it's the scriptures. And some say, well, you know, Pastor, you're talking about family, and I'm still single, or I've already done that, or I'm a widow, and I'm not raising a family. This can be practical to every single person. Let's look at it together, can we please? I want you to notice, first of all, that um, it begins as my son. So the first several chapters, chapters to, to verse number, chapter 9, Paul, excuse me, uh, Solomon is writing to his son, probably Rehoboam, but he's giving him specific information. It's very applicable if though God were talking to us as well. You can see the similarities. And he's going to tell him, here are some high points. Here's some things we need to do together. This weekend, we had some vacation time, so I enjoyed going through this chapter with our kids and with Linda. And uh, just in preparation, even read it scores and scores of times over the last several weeks in preparation for tonight. But it was fun to go through it and get their perspective as well, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Proverbs chapter 3, the Bible says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. I want you to look at several of the negative things he tells them not to do. Every once in a while, someone gets upset about being an independent fundamental Baptist or being a conservative Christian, and they say something, oh, it's always negative. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. But you know, anybody with any sense in their head is, gonna, is going to learn from what not to do. And the Lord tells us here, I want you to look, just look at it with me real quickly, and see the times in chapter 3 where God tells you not to do something. The first one is forget not. Don't forget the commandments. What's the next one you see that's negative? Verse number 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. We'll see that one. How about verse number 5? Lean not. To thine own understanding, don't go your way. Don't just do what you think is logical, what I think is logical. Verse number seven, be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't just try to figure things out in your own ability to do what you think is easy in that way. If you'll skip, skip down, there are several other places, but let's look real quickly at verse number 25. Would you look at that one? Be not afraid. He says, don't be afraid of sudden fear. Now, why? Because verse 26 tells of the Lord is thy confidence. He'll keep your foot from being taken. Look at verse number 27. Withhold not. Don't hold back something with whom you owe it to. Verse number 28. Say not to your neighbor, go and come again. I'll give it to you tomorrow or whatever has to buy. Verse number 27. Devise not evil against thy neighbor. Verse 30. Strive not. Verse 31, 
Envy thou not. So you have some negatives there. And of course, God gave us the Bible for four reasons. Number one, for doctrine, that tells us what is right. For reproof, that's where it tells you that's not right. Don't do that. For correction, that's how to get right. Instruction righteous is how to stay right uh, with God and his word. With that in mind, let's just walk through this chapter together. Can we please? Number one, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. One thing I want to talk to all of us about, but especially the younger group, those of you who have a few, those of you who have a few more restrictions upon you from your parents or from your authorities. The Bible tells us, don't forget God's commandments but let your heart keep them. Your heart. Your heart is how you think, how you feel, and what you want. And all of us have a strong heart in that way. We have strong opinions about how we think about something, how we feel about something, and what we want to happen. I have strong opinions about that. So do you. The Bible says when it comes to, to God's commandments, don't only obey them. Obey them with a heart to do it. Some of us are compliantly rebellious. We'll do what we have to do to get along so we don't get too much trouble or get someone too excited about it, but our heart is not with it. That's why the Bible tells another pastor of Scripture, a father says, my son, give me thy mind. Is that what he says? No. He didn't say, give me my obedience. He says, give me thine heart. Give me the way you think, the way you feel, what you want. And the older we get... The more we get, we function our own opinions. We want, we want to wear things this way. We want to see things. We want to have this right here. And then our parents and, and also our authorities, they don't really care. It doesn't really matter. We don't care about them. And our heart is, his heart is not in it. And I think it's an important concept. I think God said it. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Look at verse number two. He gives the, the command, then he gives the benefit. What's the benefit? Read it with me. For length of days and long life. Okay, it says length of days and long life. That kind of just, that's the, say, well, pastor, that sounds like the same. I think it's different. A person who will keep God's commandments and will, will, will uh, obey them with his heart. The Bible says, number one, he'll get length of days. I don't think that's talking about necessarily uh, a long years. I think it's, you, can get, you can be more efficient. You can get more done in a time's life. Now, I've, I've been amazed when I watch and study people. You watch and study people, too. There's some people who spend their whole life on nothingness. Think about a guy who found out, he, he found a machine, his, his name is Michael Latito. Latito, he's a Frenchman. And he found a machine that would grind metal into powder and glass the same. And so but surely he began to grind metal and glass and put them in his food. He successfully ate several chandeliers, a bicycle, he ate a shopping cart. He eventually got in the Greenwich World's Book of Record for eating a small Cessna airplane. You say, Pastor, that guy is an idiot. I agree. But you know, there's some of us who have, we have less purpose than that. We spend our life being good at something that doesn't matter. Fortnite. Oh, that woke somebody up there. Honestly, I wouldn't know Fortnite if it smacked me in the face. I have no idea what it is. 
But people, they find themselves being good at something that doesn't matter. And they, they waste the 168 hours that God gave them in a week. I waste time. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not the greatest efficient uh, man using my time efficiently. But I want to be better at that. But I'll tell you one thing, learning to obey God and with your heart keep his commandment will help you get more into a lifetime. Some people, they live, they, they breathe air, they eat, they function, but really their life doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter. It makes no eternal impact. But if we'll obey God's commandments, we'll, our life will count for something. We'll have length of days and long life, and peace shall they add to thee. I don't know about you, for the kids that call me dad, what I want for all of them is I want them to be at peace. Sometimes I look into their eyes and I look into their conduct and I don't see peace. They're not at peace with themselves. They're not at peace with others. They're frustrated. And it grieves me. Because every parent wants their, their kids to have peace. They want them to be fighting inside themselves continually. I want Linda to have peace. Linda wants me to have peace. I'm a much better father. I'm a much better husband when I am at peace. And peace comes through obedience and a heart yieldedness to do the God's will. Let's look at verse number three. The Bible says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck like an ornament that's valued. Write them on the table of thine heart. Ten times in your Bible, you'll see mercy and truth as twins, as coming, two towers coming together. Ten times in the scriptures. Uh, we see even the Lord Jesus, he was full of grace and, and truth which is a similar conduct. I think it's probably, they're two rare things, and they come with an adherence to God's word. If you can find, you know the Bible tells us there was, some, there was a guy in the Bible, when Jesus described John the Baptist, he said he is both a burning and a shining light. Burning means he had zeal. Shining, he had knowledge. It's two things that are rare to find. Some people, they have lots of knowledge, they just, they do nothing. They know and they, they have opinions about everything, and they, they know their Bible, they know about this book and that book and this book, and they can outline things, but they just, they don't win anybody to Christ. <laughs> they don't help anybody. They have knowledge without zeal. Other people have zeal without knowledge. They're doing something even if it's wrong. But they don't know what they're doing. They don't have enough knowledge. Boy, finding those twins together pretty, imp pretty impressive. So is finding someone who has love and holiness, who has mercy and truth, who has grace and firmness. You know, there's not something you do. I don't think you, you get these things by sitting in the field trying to make sure I want to have it in a balance. One of the questions that many people ask, full-time Christian servants, that are, that are appearing to be successful is, how do you balance? How do you balance an aggressive ministry and a, and a faithful family? How do you balance this with this? It's one of the big questions. We all want balance. And the Bible tells us a balance, a false balance is not good. But I think the, the, the secret to balance is to being spirit-filled. It is saying, Lord, I want you to fill me. I can do better things by accident with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like driving your car. You, you, know, you drive your car, you always have to make adjustments. You can't just sit in your car. I don't, I don't think even the new cars you can do this yet, but you can't sit in your car and expect it to do its own thing. 
You're going to have to make little tweaks. You just have to do that. If you don't put your hand on the steering wheel, you're going to go left or right or eventually slowly go in that direction. You're going to have a car wreck. You've got to continually make, continually make that. The Spirit of God helps us do that. But what we want, and what I want in me and what you want in you, is to have a good balance of mercy and truth. Here's what happens when you have that. You get the favor of both God and man. One of the things we need desperately, and of course in Proverbs, Solomon says, he says, a good name is rather be chosen than, than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. Two things we need to negotiate life properly is a good name and favor. Favor with God and favor with others. When you go to the BMV to take your appointment, you know what you want? Favor. If not, you have to go back and do something else. Whenever you are, you're, going to, you're going to go to a job interview, you know what you want? You want favor. When you get your annual review with your boss, you want favor. Whenever you got a D and you really need a C and, you're, and you go talk to your teacher, you know what you want? You want favor. And favor from God and man comes by the individual who I think, as a byproduct of searching God's word, having a walk with God and walk with the Holy Spirit, We'll have a beautiful blend. Now, all of us know people that are strong, and they have truth without grace. They, they, step, they step on people like little ants if they don't, they don't walk them. They have, they have opinions and a strong opinion. We have people who are very strong. They have, they have truth without mercy. And then there's other people who have mercy without truth. And both of those are very dangerous. Parents who are strict. Yeah, don't you, you know, don't you be that. We're always negative, 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 and we're hard and we're string. We oftentimes produce great rebellious because we don't, we don't blend the mercy. And other people who are just passionate and merciful and they let everything go, they, they also, they, they generate monsters. But you let mercy and truth Take them like a, like a, value them like an ornament of a, of a necklace around your neck that's valuable. Keep it right on the tables of your heart. Write it down really deep inside of you. Because in so doing, you want to have favor with God and favor with man. So look at the next verse. Can we look at it please together? The Bible tells us in verse number five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him. What will he do? Yeah, how many say this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible? Anybody like that? Usually a lot of people have picked these verses. They're great verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trusting God is trusting him enough to obey him. It's just, it's just trust him enough to do what he asks me to do, even if it goes against my logic. Forgetting someone, forgiving someone. If I forgive them, they're going to hurt me again. So should I still forgive them? Yes. Why do you forgive them? Because God told you to. I've got my rent due this week. I've got this bill due, and God tells me to tithe. What should I do? You tithe. Why? Is it logical? Not necessarily. It's biblical. Trusting the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to your own way of thinking. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Many Christians go through life as though they cannot see. One of the things I really value very much is the ability to see. I don't, I'm glad I don't have to choose between hearing and seeing. We have beautiful people in here who are, who are deaf tonight watching. Um, Brother John, do that. But if I had my choice to lose my hearing or my sight, 
I don't know which one I would choose, but I would probably, I would, I would probably lean toward the ability to see and lose my hearing. I don't know if I would or not for sure. Maybe knowing all I should know, maybe I should, I should choose the other. But I like the independence that comes from being able to go where I want to go and to, to do things. But the truth of the matter is, in this lifetime, I don't know what to do, what not to do. There's too many, there's too many variables, and there's too much unknown. But God doesn't mind helping me, and he wants to help me. He wants to help you, because he's not afraid of tomorrow. He's already there. He wants to direct our path. And that comes as we trust him and we acknowledge him. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. Verse number seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Several times in the Bible, it tells us to fear the Lord. I think um, maybe four to seven times or so. And fear the Lord is, is really to acknowledge his presence. It's to acknowledge him. One of the things we know that helps us know God is real to us is when we hear his word and when we return his tithe. One of, the, one of the intrinsic reasons for God asking us to give to him is not because he needs money. God can get along without us giving a dime. He, he, he can do whatever he wants to do. So he doesn't ever need our money. But the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 and 23, he says, I want you to truly tithe that you will learn to fear the Lord your God always. When we take our, it takes two things to tithe, arithmetic and obedience. When we take, when we take our, our income and our increase and we divide it and we give that basic to the Lord, what we're saying is I'm acknowledging that God gave me everything and he takes that tithe and exchanges to me the fear of the Lord. He said, be not wise and I fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's important. When you know God is with you, and I've used this illustration before, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 6, the Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When you know God is with you, you elevate your behavior. If you have people that steal, usually in a store, they'll look around, and then they think no one's watching, then they put whatever it is in their pocket, or they put it in their backpack, or they put it in their coat, and they think no one's watching. They look down this way, look down this way, no one's watching them. They had a camera right on them. But if you look down the aisleway, you're getting ready to steal something, you see a police officer down there just looking, you're not going to steal. Why? Because you've acknowledged his presence. When we acknowledge God's presence, and John Cotts, is that you over there? We're glad to have you, Brother John. Guys, we've been praying for you in the hospital, and now you're back sitting up and taking nourishment. We're glad to see you. Wait, wonderful. Um, but when we, we, we acknowledge God's presence, then we know he's with us, then we also elevate. Like if, you have, if you're eating dinner with someone that you admire, respect, let's say the president, his wife came by and they wanted to eat dinner with you, oh, we'd be so nervous, wouldn't we? No, we normally eat, we, but with, if the president's in there, we're, <laughs> we're cutting and we're trying to take little bites. You know, we're very careful and buttering our toast or our bread. We'd be very nervous and we would elevate our behavior. We'd wipe our mouth and we'd be looking for our wife to tell us, yeah, something in your nose, you know, yeah. You know, we'd be, we'd be careful. Why? Because we recognize their presence. And when we live in the fear of the Lord, we recognize he's with us and it elevates our behavior. Many folks, uh, usually, whenever they start getting into sin, by a long time, they stop giving to the Lord. 
I haven't been a pastor terribly long, but in the 20 years, occasionally I will have ask our people, say, now, are they giving? You know, someone's struggling real bad. Are they giving? And I've oftentimes found out, no, they haven't given in a while. I've asked people personally, like, are, are you, are you, we, had a, we had someone too long ago, and I, and I asked him, so what, uh, he said, well, I'm in love with a person that's not my, my spouse. And I feel very strongly, I, I, I can't go back. This is the person I'm supposed to have. I married the wrong person. And I said, no, no, no. I said, yeah, that's, not, that's not true. And, oh, no, I, I'm, not, I'm just not doing it, Pastor. I don't care. I said, are you a giver? Boy, they just real quickly said, you know, I don't think I've given in a year and a half. And I said, you know, it's no wonder. And by the way, it's not just giving the same amount every week. I think it's important that Christians learn this principle. And you don't have to listen to me, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right on this. We're going to see this in a moment. Honor the Lord with thy substance of what you have, and the first fruits of all thine. I think God wants us to evaluate every single week. What has he blessed me with? God grows your tithe. You can grow your offering. But I, want, I think God wants to see, what did I give you this week? Linda and I, sometimes we, we sit together at 9.30 on Sunday morning when she comes. And, and we sit for a few moments. And one of the things we oftentimes do is, okay, tell, tell, what did the Lord give us this week? What do we receive? Not always tangible finances. Sometimes it's groceries. Sometimes it's a meal. Sometimes a gift card. We evaluate, what is our increase Truth of the matter, if you get a, you get a, a $5 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts, is it worth 50 cents? Yeah. If you get something special, he said, I want you to do that. I think God wants to do it because when we do that, we're acknowledging that came from God. That didn't come just because the Bible says when we give, though, God says, I'm going to give to you. Press down, shaking together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. God's given principles of parenting here. He's telling us, he says, my son, look, keep my commandments with your heart. In doing so, you'll have more in your life, you'll have longer days, and you'll have some peace. He tells him, I want you, I want you to um, love mercy and truth and get mercy and truth because this when you get favor with God and man. He says, don't lean to your own thinking. Trust the Lord, he'll direct your path. Now look at verse number nine. Honor the Lord with thy substance. By the way, it's healthy to lean upon the Lord. It should be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. He said, you want to have a healthier existence? Uh, live purely. Verse number nine, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. Honor God with what he's given you, and then say, what is the first fruits of all thine increase? And then he says, if you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. He said, I'll, I'll give you what you need. Verse 11, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father of the son in whom he delighteth. By the way, one of the keys there, fathers, is learning, this is something God's teaching me about, is delighting in our kids. Do you think your kids think, Dad, that you delight in them? That you love them? You know, someone told me years ago, three things that kids need, they need affection. They need direction and they need correction. But number one, they need affection. He giveth his beloved sleep. He says, I'm going to give you, because he said, a father corrects his son. I want to tell you, parents, just don't be afraid to correct our children. They need it. They need someone to look them in the eyes and say, no, we're not doing it. 
You're not going to do that. Oftentimes, they'll fight back. They'll push back. I think there's wisdom in that. There's different stages of life. There's things that if you can't really prove why it's right or wrong, there may be some things that you have to negotiate as a parent. But don't be afraid to chasten your children. God says he chastens every son in whom he delights. He loves them. He cares enough about them to do that. It's just a biblical principle. Let's keep going. Let's look at a couple things. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all things thou canst desire not to be compared to her. The length of days in her right hand, her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of light to them that lay hold upon her and happy is every one that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. If God founded the, wisdom, the, the earth on wisdom, you and I, our lives can be founded on wisdom. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace in thy neck, and then shalt thou walk in thy way how? And thy foot shall not Stumble when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, uh, thou shalt thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. I'm going to stop real quickly, just for a second here, and just remind you the value of wisdom. And I'll just say, wisdom is to pinpoint and practice what the Bible tells you to do. If God says to do it, you do it. And you're going to find that there's a wisdom in that. Wisdom is just what we train ourselves to do. Christians, teenagers, listen, moms, dad, don't lean in your own thinking. But say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Go to the scriptures. Go to biblical truth. You know, when you get a counselor, and I think you ought to have a counselor Every counselor, and whatever it is, I know Brother Douglas has done a great job in this, and God has used him in his, new, in his new role, and certainly we miss him at the college, but so thankful that God has used him. But any counselor, you should ask them this question. What does the Bible tell me I should do in this situation? That keeps us honest. What do you do? Well, you know, we ought to think about ourselves, because sometimes we can pad our own thoughts with, well, you know, I've tried this before, and it really worked out good, and here's what they tell me. But we ought to ask someone, what does the Bible tell me I should do in the situation? Wisdom is, the personification of wisdom is the Lord Jesus. If you do things his way, it will work. He said it's the most valuable thing. It'll give you a sweet sleep. It'll give you, keep you from stumbling. It'll give you prosperity and pleasantness. All his paths of wisdom are sweet paths or good paths. Not always easy, but always the byproduct is there. Let's look at a couple more things. We're talking about parenting. We're talking about helping our kids and then practicing ourselves. Here's just a biblical principle I think is very important that Christians practice. 27. Read it with me, would you please, everybody? Everybody. Withhold not good. Say not to thy neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give thee when thou hast it by thee. You know, this is something I think that Christians oftentimes fail on. If you have a bill that is due, you owe somebody, okay? It kills me. Oftentimes, people who will owe someone money, and they'll keep putting them off. While they go on vacation, while they post on Facebook, 
we're doing here, we're eating out over here, Fogo du Chao for our family tonight, it's the bomb. This person over here is waiting for their payment. And they're saying, well, come back on Friday, I'll do this. I'll get you back. When you have it in your hand, he said, withhold not that which is owed to someone when it's in the power of your hand to do it. Don't say, go and come again, I'll get you next, next time. These are some things that God looks at. Now, we don't know how much everybody has or doesn't have. I don't think it's something that most of us need to spend our time trying to figure out how much money someone else has. I think it's foolish. But the principle is here. Young people, don't get into a, a bar or everything. You, you, you're thirsty at school. Can I borrow a dollar? I'll pay you back tomorrow. Don't do that. Go to the water fountain if you have to. Don't get in a situation where I don't have what I want. I've got to borrow right now. Or I've got to go by and dun-da-dun, charge, dun-da-dun, charge. Every time you're just sliding your card and getting what you want, when you want it, whatever it is you want, that's do it. You know, the Bible says, be careful if you're a man given to appetite. Put a knife to your throat. It'll be a little faster death than to create appetites that you've got to have when you want it. But this is a principle that don't hold back something that, that someone else is rightfully theirs. If you owe them, pay them. If you, if you don't have enough money, pay them what you can. Well, then I won't have what I need. Well, sometimes we need to do what we need to do. Teach a lesson not to be that. It just grieves me sometimes. And we have to interact with people and try to explain someone else's, whenever they owe something, they need to pay it. And not send someone away and, and wait for them. They have to wait on it while you do what you want to do. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying I feed your family. I'm saying, I'm saying just do extra things. It used to kill me years ago. I'd... I'd see people, and, and, I, and I know they owed so-and-so, and I'd see them at the old country buffet, feeding everybody and their mother. And they owe this person over there, and the people at the old country buffet, they're, they're stealing from this person to, to enjoy that. When they ought to be home, whatever they have to figure out, you can eat at home about a, at a tenth of what you can eat outside. And I'm not against eating out. If you can do it, do it. But not if you owe somebody. If you owe someone, you stop, hold the phone, Joan, figure it out, Take care of it and don't withhold that from them. Give them what, they, what needs to be done or work out arrangements. The Bible tells us the next thing he says. He says, devise not evil against thy neighbor. Then verse 30, strive not with a man without a cause. If he have done thee no harm, envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. I think you have to be very careful. One, some folks, strife is their life. If they can't be upset with something, they're just not happy. If you go four or five weeks, four or five days, and there's no drama, they got to drum up some drama. And the Bible says, strive not. Some of the things we fight about in our families are absolutely ridiculous. It's embarrassing, and we'll give an account for the time wasted trying to kiss and make up with people that we should not even have a problem. But we let pride surface, we let, we let selfishness surface, we let what we want surface, instead of, instead of learning not to strive. Don't make strife your life. Don't devise evil against another brother and a sister. If, if, let's don't, let's don't create drama on that. God tells us some practical principles. You know, in our family, boys and girls, don't fight with your, your brothers and sisters. Don't sit and devise ways in which you can complicate someone else's life. Don't do that. Make it easy for them. We always have peacemakers in a home. Usually there's a peacemaker or two in there. Then the other folks are just, some of us got it, they, they have a street name guy for them, one way. <laughs> it always has to be their way and they have to have it their way. 
And everybody else is complaining because I'm always giving in to everybody else. And it's always, I'm, just a, I'm just the doormat in the family. No, no, figure it out. God wants us to do that. Don't strive. Don't devise evil. Withhold not good when it's the power of your hand to do it. Don't say your neighbor, go and come back again. I'll pay you later on. Do what you can do while you're supposed to do it. But let's, I think tonight well, I'd like to close with this. Let mercy and truth be a tower in your life. Love and holiness. What a beautiful, beautiful synopsis of a life that's well lived. And it will give favor with God and man.